Welcome to episode 10 of Sport Oregon Voices. This podcast gives you an insider's look at upcoming events and shares the unique stories that prove there's no better place in the world for sports than here in Oregon. This week is all about the Portland Timbers and Thorns as we preview the 2023 season in Soccer City, USA. This episode was recorded in front of a live audience at Wyden and Kennedy as part of a Sport Oregon Shock Talk. Today, we're joined by PTFC content host and producer Jake Ziven, CEO Heather Davis, Timbers GM Ned Grabavoy, and Thorns GM and President Karina LeBlanc. If you want sport at the highest level, we've got you. Welcome to episode 10 of Sport Oregon Voices. Heather, we're, we're going to start with you. So, so Heather Davis is a relatively, might be a new face uh, for you all, but she's not a new face to the state of Oregon or Portland. Born and raised in Hillsboro, worked for, for many years for an organization called the NFL, you, you may have heard of that, uh, and is now back in Portland as, as the CEO of uh, PTFC. What, what brought you back? What brought you back home, Heather? Um, the wine, <laughs> <Yeah>. mostly. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I've, I grew up in Hillsboro. I went to the University of Oregon. I always knew I would come back to Oregon. I lived on the East Coast for little over a couple of decades, um, but always said I was from Oregon when anyone ever asked me. I was always from Oregon, but lived in New York or lived in DC. So I knew this was where I would end up. My husband's from Jersey though, so it took a little bit of convincing, but I think like a lot of people during the pandemic, we relocated temporarily while we were working remotely and fell in love with McMinnville. Um, I fell in love with being back closer to my parents. They still live in my childhood home in Hillsboro. So um, was able to convince Rob to um, make the move. And I think we had waited for a long time for the perfect circumstances, but finally just decided to take the leap. And I think the universe rewarded that risk. So happy to be back. You mentioned wine, and you mentioned McMinnville, which is a great place for wine. Uh, tell us a little bit about your affinity for wine, where your interest got started, and, and how you, uh, let's say, put that into practice now that you're living in McMinnville. That's a great question. Um, we, my husband and I have always loved wine tasting. That's We've done a lot of vacations where that was kind of the heart of the trip. Um, and for me, it was actually always about Oregon wine. I always loved finding Oregon wine on the East Coast or wherever we were. Um, always order the Oregon wine on any menu. But wine country has changed a lot, even since I started taking Rob there, wine tasting when we first met you know, a decade or more ago, um, probably a lot more ago, actually. <laughs> um, so uh, it's changed a lot, and there's a lot of new growth out there, and McMinnville is really the heart of that, and it's a beautiful little charming town, still has its Oregon spirit, but um, really kind of setting the stage for the next phase of Oregon wine. I promise this is going to be about soccer and sport, not all wine. Ned, uh, your first full season as the general manager of the Portland Timbers. Two games in um, and, and from, a, from an offseason that had at least one, one big move for you. How do you, would you sum up the past, what has it been, six months about now with you as, as a general manager of the Portland Timbers and, and where we're at in this moment? Yeah, and first, just thanks for everyone for coming out, everyone affiliated with Sports Oregon and everybody else. We've, we've got a great great crowd, and 
I'm almost feeling we've done so many of these over the last couple of months that we, we should maybe start our own talk show yeah. uh, at some point. But the last six months, uh, th there's been a tremendous amount of work that have, you know, that, that's gone into to the club. Uh, and I think for us, you know, going into the offseason, we had some challenges with where we were at within the roster. Uh, we had, I believe, 18 of our 20 senior roster players under contract. I think for us now, it's about trying to find, uh, in a way, how can we sort of bounce back one? Because we like a bulk of the roster. We know that we have staff with great experience. Uh, these are people and players that have been successful in MLS. Then how can we make those additions to make us stronger, not just this year, but long term as well? Uh, and when you look at trying to be successful in this league, it's also about sustaining that. So you can't just look short term and and sort of just have it be year to year, how can we make those smart decisions long term that's gonna put the, the team in the best position to succeed? One thing that, that strikes me about your new role is managing players as a difference maybe from, from the old role, right? Something that Karina knows, knows well about. Um, in, in your guys' position, you have to do that. How, how has that changed your life, your job, your work, now having, um, having to make some difficult decisions on, on players and, and then managing managing that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not the easiest job. I know Karina would, uh, would echo that. But at the same time, I think at least I can relate to some of the players that have sat on the other side of the table and have had to at sometimes have difficult, you know, difficult conversations. And I think players, for the most part, they, they, they want honesty. You know, I think you have to be honest and upfront with players. Uh, because I think it's it's the best way to go about it. But we have such a great group of, of people and, and a great group of players at the club. Um, I think that that's been a, sort of a testament to what we've built over the last five or six years in bringing some of those players in. So I think there's, for me, there's a great level of mutual respect from players to the staff. Uh, and I would give our head coaching staff and the rest of the staff a ton of credit for helping build those relationships as well. You built the champions. You are the defending champs of, of NWSL. No. Yeah? Yeah? No, I didn't do it, first of all. They did it. They did it. <laughs> and now you guys have to follow it up. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? Well, there's a little pressure now, isn't there, as a defending champion? How does that change things coming into a year as the defending champ? Um, I think it's good because the players know what it takes and they are they have that vision clarity that there's it's never been done before back to back like winning a championship winning the shield and doing it again so they have that vision clarity of that's the goal this season we've had some changes obviously with a new head coach um, the roster is pretty much the same with a couple additions but I think it's using that experience to really make that be our foundation. And I think over the last 10 years, that's what this club has done, is that we've had such a strong foundation of not only great players, but that winning mentality, and then winning in different ways, no matter what the circumstance. So I think there's pressure, but this is where players thrive. Like, pressure makes players, and those are the type of players we recruit. And I think, um, I'm not predicting it, but hopefully next year this time, we're talking about back to back, yeah? Yeah, that's good. All right. You mentioned a new head coach, Mike Norris. Tell us about, about Mike. He's probably somebody that, that most people don't know, maybe haven't heard from, haven't encountered. What, what, kind of, what kind of person, what kind of coach is Mike Norris? So you're not going to understand 50% of what he says. 
he's a Jordy and he has a thick accent. He says us and they, and I, and I love it. Um, detail oriented players love him. I mean, I think people were wondering why we went with him, but I think if you saw the announcement right away, the players were like, he's our guy. We love him. Um, he used to run a lot of the sessions, look at the detail, run the training sessions, set play specialist. I think it was an opportunity where, you know, Heather and I, and we talked about it leading into the season, what is the best fit for the players? And he was it. Um, he comes off winning an Olympic gold medal, and I know I'm in the U.S. and Canada won the medal. I'm sorry, but just letting you know, he, he's a he's a coach that understands the winning ways, but he's excited about this opportunity, and I think that's what makes everybody excited. Is he sees this as a way of continuing the tradition, but hopefully taking us in, in, into new spaces and new territory of being that standard and winning in different ways. There's a few gold medals and some World Cup trophies in this country as well. Absolutely. So, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. That's we'll why I love right. this country. <laughs> um, Heather, th this is uh, a, a new role for you in your first full season in, in charge. What are you most excited about as you enter? We've already started, but as we really get into the meat of what will be a, a full season for the Timbers and the Thorns. <coughs> Well, I think I'm most excited about the energy and enthusiasm we have at the club right now. I think everyone feels really ready to get back to soccer, really ready to get back to doing what we've done best all these years at Providence Park. I think it's been a long time since we've had a regular season. Even before the pandemic, we had the expansion, um, the stadium expansion. And then obviously the pandemic and, and all that came with that. And I think we're finally starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel there. And so staff, players across the organization, I think feel really energized. And that feels great. It feels like there's opportunity for innovation again, opportunity to connect with our fans in a different way. We had a fan forum for Timbers members, annual members. Um, a few weeks ago, and we're going to do another one for Thorns annual members. And I think finding those connections again is really important to us this season. We lost a lot of that over the pandemic, and um, we're excited about the opportunity to sort of find those touch points again. Ned, uh, for you, signings, that's your one of your main, main jobs. Anything on the horizon? What, where does this team, you, know, you talked about continuing to build, where is this team looking to continue to build? Yeah, so we're pretty much in the final stages and we'll, we'll finalize a, another forward uh, within the next few days. So we hope to you know, get that player through the visa process and over with us in the next couple of weeks, which is a really big priority for us. Um, a player that can definitely strengthen the group, give us another solid option but still also gives the roster flexibility long-term. And then obviously we had made a, a sizable trade a few weeks before the season, less than ideal timing without question, uh, and certainly doesn't put the team in, in the best positions to succeed right now. Although I will say we've had some players step up and certainly show that they're capable, uh, but we'll look to sign a central defender within the next month or so prior to, uh, to the primary window closing guy who's here is Evander, the most expensive signing in Timbers history. Now that you've seen him play, now that you've had him in the club, what kind of person and player is he? What should Timbers supporters expect as his career continues in Portland? 
Yeah, I think, you know, since he's been in with us, even just through a few weeks of training, you know, in the lead up to the season, there was a few weeks there just in training in preseason games where he showed a different level of quality. Now in this league, it can be very challenging because when you're such a talented player, the more you play in the league, teams start to prep and game plan. And, and I'm sure as opposition looks at him, he, he's, a, he's a key player that they're obviously looking to shut down. I think for us, it's just players familiarizing themselves with each other. There be, you know, being more cohesion as a group. And I think the more and more that he settles and the players around him settle, he'll continue to, to shine. But, but certainly, anytime you have a top player like that, you have to continue to also build around that player and make sure the pieces fit and work together. That'll be a huge goal of ours over the next, you know, nine to 12 months, uh, you know, as, as, as we go forward. What about the? What can you tell, talk about? Uh, tell us about the state of, of the Thorns roster in, in that regard, and um, where you see additions maybe need to happen, or important additions, including draft picks, uh, over the off season that have bolstered the roster. This is recorded, so I'm kidding. It's on the record. On <laughs> no the changes. Record. No, I think we brought back 23 of our 26 players, and I think that's a rare thing, winning a championship. Everybody wanted our players, but I think the uniqueness and what we built here, none of the players wanted to leave. So obviously we have some top draft picks, which will get signed in the next couple of days. But I think what's unique about this year is that it's a World Cup year. And so as excited as the fans are, to watch the World Cup, that means that we're going to be without our players for a big chunk of the season. Um, so part of filling in the roster is thinking ahead for the World Cup, which will miss our players for a month plus, depending on how far the teams go, but then also thinking in the windows, like how can we make sure we keep that standard? And we've brought in players who they, they find the honor in wearing that badge and they feel honored to be here, but they also know that the standard's set. Like, he was just talking about Evander, like the standards set by these national team players, that's what we expect every single day. And when you can get that standard, we may lose up to eight players in that window. When you can get that standard day in and day out, whether you're a rookie or you've been in the league for 10 years, you just want to do that day in and day out. So for us, it's obviously filling in those holes, but it's also making sure it's the right player that gels with the team. It's a player that understands the honor of playing for the Thorns. And I think all of our draft picks this year, that's one thing about them. Like they had that smile and this is like the best thing. Like when you call a player and they've been drafted, it's like their dreams come true. And then they've been drafted to the thorns. It's, it's across the board, a massive honor. We have some future thorns here, right? Yeah? That's yeah? right. Okay. <laughs> you, you're gesturing you know, towards Ned a little bit. Like you guys under, can probably understand each other and, and your He's roles pretty well. Yeah, I, so I was gonna ask, what's your relationship <laughs> like? Yeah. Pardon me, what was the question? I cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, look, you, you, you have a similar role, and obviously your sh a building is shared, right? How, how much collaboration is the wrong word, but like how much, what's your guys' relationship like in, in, you know, in, in a serious way? And, and are you, do you find that you can you know, uh, commiserate or, or at least relate to each other in, in ways that, that maybe others can't because of a unique role that you each have within this organization? Absolutely, he's my all-time favorite Timbers player with the long hair. Yeah. Um, but no, I I don't even make meetings. I just walk into his office. <laughs> I'm like, no, I got a question. I think it's unique because we both are former players for this club. 
we both are newer into this position. So it's me being able to show up in his office and just ask that question of like, what should I do here? What do you think? And just us having the back and forth and the respect for each other. Because this is a unique city to be a GM for. This is a unique club. We have our unique challenges. But it, like, you don't feel alone when you have, like when I have Ned and I just show up. I, I don't know if that's offensive to you, but here I am. <laughs> Do, do you want no, to I, put a meeting on the calendar? I, I think, uh, well, one, I, I spent this morning looking at dates to, to find, you know, monthly lunches with, with Karina. And also, I had a very, very cool kombucha uh, machine in my office. And it was a big hit amongst a, a lot of staff. And I've wheeled it down to Karina's office because she's at the stadium more than I am, and I told her, you know, when I want a glass, I'll, I'll just come and visit you. So, no, I think, you know, to, to echo what she said, sometimes you get so far into it in, in this role that you're constantly working, you're constantly grinding, you're constantly thinking, nights up, can't sleep, and you can sometimes get tunnel vision. And the best, I think, that the, the best advice is to reach out to others that are in the similar role just to gain a bit more perspective, you know, and, and everyone gets busy, but I always find some of those conversations to be the healthiest, um, you know, and, and for me, I, I, I just see it as sort of therapy in a way, to, to share what you're going through, right, and to, to have that other per person ultimately understand how challenging things can be, and then to just sort of go back and, and pick each other's brain on it. Uh, uh, we'll do it for sure without question, and we have throughout the off season. That's, that's really cool. Uh, I want to get to know you three a little bit better, like off the field, away from, from work. We've got some kind of quick hitter questions for you. Uh, let's start with your favorite city to visit on the road. You, you met in Karina specifically. You travel a lot. Heather, in a different way, right, but have traveled around. So um, your favorite, favorite city. We'll start with you, Ned. Going As a quick, player or a GM? It, it's quick. Uh, and I'm going to cheat a little bit. Best cities to visit. Vancouver and Montreal, okay? But I'm also gonna throw in Chicago because that's where I'm from originally. And we have not played, I don't think we've played at Chicago yet since I've been at the club. And so, I don't know, Don Garber, whoever might listen to this podcast at some point, let's get Chicago on the schedule uh, so I can get back home and see some friends and family and go to some restaurants. Uh, I'm from Chicago as well. Margie Ziven, my mother, is well aware that the Timbers have not played in Chicago for <laughs> years. Every year when the schedule comes out. Are you coming to Chicago? Oh, I don't have control over that. Yeah. We're going to have to look into that one. Um, well, I'm going to give a nod to Austin. I've already invited myself on our Austin road trip this year, so um, that I'm looking forward to. And I'd have to give D.C. Uh, I lived in D.C. for many years, and it's just one of my favorite cities in the country. Karina? Given the temperature outside, I'm going to go warm. Um, I probably, I'll, I'll pick L.A. Uh, just because I love the beach, I love the water, and yeah, so. Great, great cities all. Uh, Pre-game routines, meals, not in, I'd say for, for Ned and Karina, I'm interested currently and as a player, what were your pre-game routines? What are they now? What were they as a player? And, you know, did you eat a specific meal, all that stuff? Well, as a player, shocking. I was dancing and singing. I was <laughs> that one. Um, I saw the games as a reward, so I was the annoying one in the locker room who wasn't nervous and just trying to bring the energy. Uh, 
in this role, I think it's just, you're just, I, actually I went into his office on game day, uh, first game day, it was like 10 o'clock in the morning, he's like, I think you wanted the game to be in the next hour. Game days are long, because if it's a night game, you're just waiting, so probably hang out with my daughter who just walked in the room, hi Paris, um, and, oh my husband too, yeah, I hang out with you. <laughs> Um, and then just like you really, it's out of your hands. So just having conversations where you can. But yeah, I, I don't have a, I don't eat pancakes or anything on game day. Do you? Well, as a player, it was very routine, right? So it's, you know, night before the game, chicken and pasta. And then you've got to eat, you know, the day of the game at exact times. You have to do everything, at the, you know, at the same. Now it's, uh, you know, you don't have the same ability to do that, usually game day now, I'll go like, uh, I'll go decent sized brunch on, on the weekend, on a Saturday. And then I try and go pretty light the rest of the day. Nerves, anxiety, depending on how things play out on the field, I found that uh, to be the way to go. Any, like, you also said you groom your corgis as a pregame ritual, Ned. So. There you go. Yeah, that's what we're looking for. <laughs> I'm glad we're here. <laughs> so, fact, I, t I have two Welsh corgis, and I'm a huge fan of dogs, but my corgis are like children in, in our family as well. For Father's Day this past year, I've, I, my wife got me a pretty nice dog grooming kit. And I thought that's kind of cool until I used it, and then I use it often, and usually every weekend, and it's the full thing, full grooming, full clipping, and my dogs love it. So I'm glad that uh, I got to share that with everyone. They, they do love it. Are you sure of that? Yeah. They love it. That's great. They love it. Wow. That's... <laughs> yeah. We, we got yeah, to get the, the deep stats uh, on that. Any superstitions, any game day rituals? My game day rituals. Well, my game day ritual used to be trying to figure out what channel the match is on. Now I just turn into Apple TV MLS season pass. There you go. Hope Jake is calling our game. Not, no luck so far, but should come around soon. Um, yeah, and then otherwise just give Ned and Karina oxygen. <laughs> uh, you mentioned brunch, Ned. Uh, next question is going to be for y'all. Favorite restaurant? in the Portland area, or Heather in McMinnville, for, for you? It, it's a very difficult question in this city, so you can name I it I am a, a foodie, yeah. so let me put this out there. If you want me to come to your restaurant, it's good food, call me. Um, I'm just, oh gosh. I, write, I like Andina. Um, Bullard is also good. Um, man, I'm hitting it. Hey, two, I'll stop there. Yeah. <laughs> two for two. So I feel like a lot, a lot has closed down over the last couple of years as well. So some of my spots have, have gone away, but I actually just set up dinner for Thursday night at, at Bollard. I'll be there. You you no, me? just no, with uh, another work uh, person. <laughs> but but Bollard. I'll say Bollard. Bollard. Oh, I've always said Bullard. That we're gonna have to get to the bottom of we're, that. I'm Ballard. from Chicago originally, Ballard. so I, the A's long. Yeah, no. Bullard sounds a little more sophisticated. I feel like, right? We'll ask Doug Adams when we get a chance. <laughs> um, well, I'm gonna give a shout out to Pizza Capo in McBinville, best pizza in the valley, and a big, um, big Timbers supporters too. Um, and then I've also heard that Jenkin, I think, is right next door, is a hot spot to hit, but I have not gotten a reservation yet. So if anyone knows anyone, 
Beth. I would he think you could some. pull some strings. <laughs> he, um, <laughs> he might know something. <laughs> uh, favorite place in, in Oregon outside of, the question is outside of Portland, but McMinnville doesn't count. Doesn't so count. like your favorite place to go in the state to get away from where you normally are. Well, this is a tough question for me because my dad grew up in Southern Oregon in Klamath Falls and my mom grew up in Eastern Oregon in LaGrand, Pendleton. Um, so I love both er those areas of the state and I love Eastern Oregon in particular, but I think I'll pick Hood River because the gorge just can't be beat. I love the Bend area. Any time I get a little bit of time to take the family somewhere for a day, uh, get up there, whatever it might be in the off season, you know, we'll go ice skating up there. Uh, so I think for, for me and for my family, that's probably the spot. Um, I love the water and the ocean, so I'll probably say the coast. But the gorge is gorgeous, too. Yeah. You covered it all. Cool. Yeah. Really like well the done. State. Well the coordinated. State. That was great. Um, uh, favorite sports outside of soccer? Are, there, are you? Are, are, does that resonate at all? Yeah, my first love was basketball. Okay. Um, so that was my first love. I thought I was going to be a WNBA player because it was on TV. You have to see it to believe it, and that's all I could see it. So I was like, that must be what I want to be. When did it switch to I'm going to be a professional soccer player? Um, I was fortunate enough to be on the national team at a young age. Um, and so I was trying to do both sports in college, and it was just like I went to my first World Cup in 1999. That was my first World Cup, and I was like, okay, I'll play the sport. And do, do, do you remember who won that World Cup? Yes. Oh, I very, okay. The United States of America. Uh, okay, thank yes. You. Woo! I love America. Don't get me right. I just I have to know, say Canada won the gold. It was the only gold medal we've won, so... We all love Canada as well, especially specifically Canada soccer. Favorite that, sport? Huge, ho huge hockey fan. NHL, Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, that that's my favorite sport, other than soccer for sure. I I feel like I learned some. Like I should be Canadian with <laughs> yeah. some of my answers of Vancouver, Montreal, and, and the hockey. Uh, but I I could watch the Stanley Cup playoffs every game, every series. Uh, it's that exciting. So Blackhawks. Growing up, or no, not so yeah. much. Yeah, okay. yeah, and we're down right now. You yeah, know yeah. that. Yeah. In Chicago sports, all of them are down. I mean, so. that's kind of life, isn't it, as a Chicago sports fan? Yeah, exactly. It I mean, I, I'd obviously get in trouble if I didn't say football. <laughs> so, but football is colleagues. the real answer. Yeah. Cool. Do you have a favorite NFL team, or are you allowed to answer that question as a long-time employee? You, know, you are of allowed the NFL? to answer that question, actually. But I mean, obviously, I grew up here, so it was it was either going to be Seattle or San Francisco. But when I was a kid, it was the 49ers. It was the Joe Montana, Steve Young era. So we grew up 49ers fans. Very fair. Uh, let, let's get back to to soccer, to to the you know the, the task at hand, and we're talking about about World Cups. Um, Karina, there is a World Cup this summer that changes some things. Uh, how do you and the Thorns holistically handle the World Cup, and, and how do you use that also like advantageously as a club, um, as as soccer in this in this city? Because there's going to be a lot of excitement, for as sure. always, for World Cup. This is Soccer City, and I think one of the things that we've done over the years is that there's not a massive drop 
when the national team players are gone during the World Cups. So I think this is why players love playing here, because they know the fans are still going to show up for them. They're still going to be energetic for them. And game days are the best days. Like, I mean, walking out in the field and just feeling the energy of the fans, it's, it's truly special. So we can sign national team replacement players, so we're already planning for that. Looking at some potential loans, because with the windows and the breaks overseas, we can potentially get some of the players in. But honestly, we're pretty confident in our roster and allowing these players who may be looked at as maybe like this is a player that we just want to get minutes, this is their opportunity to step up and shine. And we have such a deep roster that there will be some adjustments, but I mean, we're looking for smaller adjustments. We're not looking for too many, but it's part of planning last year to make sure this year we'd be in a good situation. And I think we have a lot of phenomenal players here, but I can't tell my secrets. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but we're going to get some good players in. <laughs> Dur during the World Cup, the, the Challenge Cup will be played. There's going to be a little break, right? And then the Challenge Cup, that, that's different. The original Challenge Cup was in the bubble in 2020. Then it was before the season, almost this preseason tournament. And then the regular season would start. Now it'll be, it'll be then. It'll also be interspersed throughout the season. How does that change the approach to the season uh, with this competition now kind of throughout the year instead of in the beginning or, or just, com uh, you know, composed on its own as, as a separate thing. Yeah, the Challenge Cup started like during COVID, especially it was an opportunity. It was almost in a bubble for players to get ready for season. Um, I think as a club, we always had the same agenda is that we wanted to win everything. Um, it'd be the same thing going forward with the Challenge Cup. I think some teams use the Challenge Cup as an opportunity for other players to play and get minutes. For us, it's just going to be the continuation of giving these players the opportunity so that we can still get the points when the World Cup is there. Because there's enough games where these points matter and you don't want players to play in these games that are regular season, they haven't really touched the field. So the Challenge Cup is a continuation in some aspects of us seeing other players, but then it's also important that we're successful in them. And as a vision of a club, it, it is to be successful. That's the foundation of this club is that to, winning is successful as well. There, Ned, you and the Timbers and, and all of MLS will be dealing with a new competition this year, the League's Cup, when MLS and Liga MX are going to take a break in essentially August and have a competition against each other for about a month. It's going to be World Cup style with groups and then a knockout round. How do you, how do the Timbers approach that specific tournament? It'll be it'll be interesting because it's the first obviously time that it's uh, that it's happening. Um, I, I do know from you know the the minute that they decided, you know the tournament w was was going to happen that it was one that was going to be very important for us. You know for a number of reasons, and I think when you look at just the you know the competition between MLS and Liga MX over the years in the Concacaf tournaments. Even just the, the the competition for players, you know, and for young players, I think that you know putting on this event is really going to be a, a huge driver going forward. Um, and I, I know for us, it's one that we ultimately want to advance and be successful in. So I think we'll definitely put our our, our best foot forward and try and go as far in that tournament as we can. Business perspective, both league wide and and here in Portland. 
Tigres is is going to be coming. I mean, that's a, a huge club in Mexico. They'll be playing at Providence Park against the Timbers this summer. We don't know the date yet. At least it's not publicly announced. But we know that that's the group, and they'll they'll be here along with the San Jose Earthquakes. What does League's Cup do for the league as a whole, from a business perspective, and specifically, um, you know, for the Portland Timbers to be playing in that competition? Yeah, I mean, for the league, this is a really transformative year between the Apple TV deal and League's Cup. It, this is, um, a real, we're seeing a lot of tremendous growth and innovation um, at the league level that I think is really going to propel us forward, especially going into North American World Cup in a few years. Um, so it's really exciting. I think for us here, this is going to be an incredible opportunity to introduce some new fans to our club. We're really going to lean into um, the Portland Timbers being your home team. I think there's a lot of Liga M Liga MX fans here that maybe haven't engaged with MLS quite as much yet, and I think this is our opportunity to tap into that. If you're not a Tigris fan, you're going to be a Timbers fan this summer. So we're really excited about that opportunity. You mentioned uh, a little bit ago the Apple TV and MLS season pass on Apple TV. Um, what, what is what has that done for the league and? And going forward, um, it's, it's a 10-year deal, right? So this is, this is what it's going to look like. Uh, as somebody who also has been in, in sports for a long time, where do you see the future of, of all sports broadcasting going? And, and is MLS ahead of it, as, as I think they believe they are, and kind of setting a trend? Yeah, I mean, I think MLS is setting the curve on this one. I mean, you already see, you know, the NFL chops up their media rights into a lot of different buckets, but a lot of those are going streaming. Um, I think you're going to see this more and more. I think the one-stop shop is an incredible upgrade. I think it's hard these days to find the channels that your sports are on. Um, and knowing it's always going to be in the same place, you can watch it on any device, anywhere, anywhere in the world. No blackouts. Um, you can always find your team. I think it's going to be a real game changer for the league. It will, you know, it will also unlock a lot of innovation. We've seen some of that already with the club rooms, the content that clubs are putting out that Apple is also supporting um, is really innovative and exciting. And there's a ton of opportunity there. I mean, you can't partner with someone better than Apple on something like that. So. I think there's a lot more to come, and so far the product is amazing. The broadcast quality, production quality is great. The announcers are generally pretty awesome as well, most of them. <laughs> Some of them. <laughs> um, so, and and so far, you know, there's been you know a couple hiccups as there always are with a new technology, but um, for the most part, it's been great and really well received. And a lot of, if you're an annual member, don't forget to redeem your season pass. <laughs> does it change, Ned? Does that does it change anything for for you? It's global reach. You know, now MLS is available everywhere. I've seen some stories of players, families now being able to watch in countries where they were previously unable to watch. Um, is is there any anything to that, or is it still kind of business as usual? Not that it's business as usual because the league continues to grow on the sporting side, but in, in recruitment, so to speak. Yeah, no, I th I think you know as Heather said as well. I think it's it's a real game changer going forward. Um, I, I can remember so many trips where I'm traveling abroad and it's three or four in the morning, and I want to watch the game and, and I can't watch the game. You know, so I, I think that there's a, a lot of these positives to be excited about. I also think just looking at Apple and them wanting to try and connect fans to players and some of the different storylines behind the scenes, 
uh, for me, it's just uh, incredibly exciting moving forward. You can also probably remember, I, I think you played in an era when not even every game was on TV. I mean, I remember growing up, right? Like in Chicago, hey, I was growing up, we're not that far apart in age. I was growing up watching the league and you couldn't watch every game, right? You couldn't watch every fire game. They weren't all on TV. Um, the league has changed a lot and that's where I'm going with, with that. As somebody who came in this league in 2004, right? It's almost been two decades, um, night and day. How, how in your mind, can you, can you put into perspective, into context, the growth of this league, where it is now compared to when your career started in, in the relatively early days in a different era, really, of MLS? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's absolutely insane. Um, it, it really is for, for so many reasons. And you were talking about just not even being able to watch the games. I mean, you, you were sometimes watching the bottom of like the ESPN ticker that had to get through all the sports just to quickly get to MLS to see, you know, what some of the scores were when you were watching, uh, watching another game. Uh, so for me, I think looking at the level of investment with, with new ownership and the ambition from so many different clubs and so many different markets, you look at the soccer-specific stadiums now that we have all over this country, and the sport has absolutely exploded, uh, and the league has taken off. And I, I, I don't see that slowing down. It just continues to accelerate. And I think, you know, being a part of that over so many years for me has, um, you know, it's, it's definitely been a pleasure. Uh, and watching where the league is at now, uh, for someone that's been involved in it for such a long time, you know, it's something I take great pride in as well. Karina, I'm gonna ask a similar question to you about the NWSL. You won the first ever NWSL championship as the starting goalkeeper for the Portland Thorns. That was a, de that was a decade ago. Yeah, that's the right Why response. Why you got to say it was a decade? I mean... The league is remarkably different now than it was then. Um, how, can, you, can you contextualize NWSL's growth and, and where it's going now and the path forward for the league as a whole? Yeah, I, I, I've spoken openly about why I fell in love in Portland because it had been two folded leagues that... I can remember exactly where I was in both times. And then the NWSL came about, and it was like playing in a World Cup and Olympics. I remember my first game day like it was yesterday, walking out on the field, and it felt like a World Cup and an Olympic game, especially for women's soccer, because we were used to a couple hundred people. And to see the league, like we've done this for 10 years, we've almost been spoiled in Portland where every weekend it's like a World Cup or Olympics. But now to see other teams doing that, other teams breaking records, you know, TV deals, like sponsorships coming just for specifically the women's teams, it's been incredible. But I think we're at a special moment now in the women's game where in many aspects we're leading women's sports and what the potential of women's sports can be. You know, I mean, you see young girls come in here spending an hour and they're still looking at us, they're still paying attention because they see what they can be. And before it was a dream, it was an idea. And they see it week in, week out. Sponsors see it, fans see it. It's not just the young kids coming out. It's adults, it's, it's older people. And if they're, I love older people, I'm just saying that. It's everyone sees and understands why for so long we love the game and they can connect to it. And I think the possibilities, I think this will be the biggest ever World, Women's World Cup coming up. I think we'll see, you know, more of the 
international players coming back to the league because this is the best league in the world. It's competitive. There's no game we go in and we're like, okay, we're going to win this. We're not going to win 6 7 nothing. It's going to be a competitive game. But I think it's just an interesting time for the women's game so that we set it up not only for this generation, for the next generation to know, like, we will make it better for your generation and we'll do the hard work now. But I just watch out. That's all I got to say. Uh, and As we wrap this up, I will have one final question um, for you, all three of you, which is just kind of generally, what are you most excited about for 2023, for, for the year ahead, as, as we're still in the beginning, maybe not of the calendar year, uh, but certainly we are of, of the sporting year. What are you most looking forward to in this year ahead? Yeah, I think, you know, Heather had said, coming off of, you know, so many years where we had the stadium expansion, I think we started maybe the first six or eight or 10 games on the road. And then we went through COVID, you know, and all the challenges that came along with, with that. Perfect scenario for us, you know, crystal ball, that we've got a team that's playing so well and that's so exciting that fans are just incredibly, incredibly excited week to week to come watch a home game at Providence Park. I think Karina said it as well, you know, when, when, you're, when you're working and you're putting everything into it and you show up to that home game and you see the atmosphere, you see the environment, you see how much it means to fans, it reminds you of why you ultimately do it. So I think for me, it's just enjoying those home games and hopefully a lot more wins uh, than, than losses. And I think it's gonna be a very uh, exciting year. Well, I mean, being entrusted to lead this club is, you know, a dream come true for me. So I'm excited about pretty much everything. Um, but I would say, you know, when Ned and Karina were talking about how they collaborate um, and work together, that sort of camaraderie and teamwork and, um, I don't know, almost friendship, I guess, is really across the senior leadership team for us right now. And so I'm really excited to continue to work with Ned and Karina and everyone in our leadership team and everyone throughout the club. Um, I think we have a lot of exciting things ahead of us. Um, I'm excited for the season to start. Uh, I'm excited for game days. I'm excited to see each and every one of you bring your 10,000 closest friends. Um, no, I, you know, last year was a special year we won a championship, but it, there's, there's something about like just those expectations and everything that matters. But I think the biggest thing is just game days. There's nothing like it, you know? Um, this is why we do what we do, you know? We do it so that the players can go out and play in front of the fans and be a part of this community where I, like, this is Soccer City, but it's like, game days are just the best days. So, I mean, I'm just, I, I enjoyed his first game day and I was, I was buzzing for him. I probably walked through his office with too much energy. Um, <laughs> that is possible. But yeah, I'm just looking forward to the season getting on the way, like just, like enjoying this year. Hopefully we're, we're through the worst of COVID and we can start celebrating just being kind of put in a box and just celebrate being our best selves and enjoying every single day. So game days. If I have one takeaway from tonight, we need like a reality show just following you guys in between your two offices <laughs> on a regular basis. I don't warn them, I just show up. <laughs> hey Ned, you in your office? Hi. <laughs> Uh, thank you three so much uh, for the time, for 
giving us a glimpse into your lives, into your work, and into the season ahead for the Timbers and the Thorns. Heather Davis, Ned Grabovoy, Karina LeBlanc. Please give them a round of applause or a woo for Karina if you would like. Thanks to all of you in attendance here at Wyden Kennedy. Thanks for everybody at home who's watching and listening as well. That's a wrap on episode 10 of Sport Oregon Voices. We hope to see everybody at Providence Park this season.